If this is your first time here, we've been doing a series called Live to Give. And it has been a four-week series, and this is the last week of that series. And, and we have been uh, talking and, and about just God's desire for each of us as his children. And what's been interesting and exciting for me is to hear so many people that have even come to me and said, this is an area that we have decided as a family, we are going to trust the Lord and begin to do it. We've never done it before, but we are going to do it. And that has been so exciting. But I've also had all kinds of conversations where we're just sitting and it's like, okay, I just need to talk about this because I want to do this. But there's all these things that I'm just not quite sure about. I can't wrap my mind around it. So I just really need to talk this out. And uh, so what I want to do this morning, and that's even the title, if you'll see in your notes, it's let's talk about this. That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about this. How does this look? What does God really want as we wrap this series out? And I, and I believe that uh, we're all going to be blessed this morning. Well, what I want to do is I want to review. I want to see how good of a teacher I have been and how good of a student you've been. So here we go. Pop quiz. This is the fill-in-the-blank portion uh, there's no blanks in your, in your notes, just all blanks actually, but uh, I want you to, to, to respond out loud, not in your mind, out loud, all right? So week one, we talked about that God's desire for us as his children are, was that we were born what? We were born takers or getters, I'll take both, but we were born again to be givers, okay? Our nature, when we are born, is to be a, a taker, a getter. We talked about that we have to teach our children how to say things other than mine. That's mine. In fact, children have this ability, parents, right, that they can say that at a frequency that just sends like, you know, it's like scratch, you know, someone scratching a chalkboard. They'll, they'll say it in this loud pitch, mine, you know, and it just, wherever you're at, it rattles you. We have to teach them how to share we were born getters. We were born takers. God's desire for his children is that we would be givers, that we'd be generous. And that's what we looked at the first week. Well, the second week we talked about that there's a test that every single one of us take. And that is the tithe. And God said, the tithe is holy, it is mine. And if you pass the test, you are what? You are blessed. Okay, prize people. You'll get a treat afterwards, Brad. Okay? And if you fail the test, you are cursed. All right? These are not my words. This is the word of God. Look at this. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. It says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, How have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. You are cursed with a curse. This is a double emphatic. Listen, if you do not trust God in this area, if you walk in disobedience in this area, if you keep the tithe from him, you have two choices. Here are the two choices. Choice number one, I bring the tithe to the Lord. Choice number two, I rob God. Those are the only two choices. And God says, return to me in this. This is what the whole book of Malachi is. It's a book of returning. Returning to him in our faith, returning to him in our family, returning to him in our finances. And he's saying, you've got to return to me in this area. Do not rob me. Bring your tithe into the storehouse. And then, of course, we saw huge promise when we do that of blessing, of provision, and protection. Now, I've had several people, when they, and these are the two questions I hear the most when I'm asked about the tithe. 
okay? Uh, the first one is, uh, am I able to give the tithe wherever I see fit? That's, the, that's, the most, that's what I'm asked the most in this area of tithe. And I say, according to the Bible, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. And where, what's that? That's the church. We read a couple weeks ago and we studied Hezekiah. And he commanded people to bring the tithe into the house so that there may be food for my people. So that the Levites and the priests may devote themselves to the word of the Lord. In the Old Testament you see he always says bring the tithe where his name dwells. And where is that? That's the church. Okay, now here's another thing that people don't understand. It's an undesignated tithe. Because see, a lot of us go, well, it's my money. I should be able to say what I want it to go to. I want it to go to the building. I want it to go to this. No, 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 no. It's not your money. See, this is an area I am not in control of it. It's like we looked in Hebrews. I am to bring my tithe to Jesus. Mortal men collect it, but who am I giving it to? I'm giving it to Jesus. And it is an undesignated tithe. That, that's what people don't understand in Scripture. It's God's. It's not yours. You don't say what he does with his money. The God has a way that he does things. And the tithe is the, scripturally defined as an undesignated portion, 10%, that goes to the church so there may be food in my house. That's, that's God's intention. Now, for me, okay, because here's the next question people always ask. Well, um, do I tithe off my, my gross or off my net? That's the, those are the two questions I get the most. And I say, well, the, Jesus said, render under Caesar what is Caesar's and give to the Lord what is his. And see, we talked about the principle of first. See, when I get my check, my increase, the first goes to the Lord. Now, I can't do anything about the fact that the government already takes, takes out what is the percentage that they take out. But when I get it, I tithe off my gross because the first goes to the Lord. And then Caesar takes what Caesar gets. Now, because someone asked me this question one time, is, well, then do I tithe off my, my tax return? And I say, no, I, I, I tithe off my gross. I gave my 10%. And then what I do, what me and Shelly like to do, is when we get that, then we're, we start praying about, okay, Lord, where are the areas that we can give above our, our tithe? Because there's all kinds of things that we're involved in. We're involved in Compassion International. We're involved in Mercy Ministries. Uh, we, we have a heart for sex trafficking. So, so we actually did a tithe off our, our, um, our tax return last year just to sex trafficking. Because we want to be givers. God loves a generous, a cheerful giver. See, I believe that's, that, that's not even talking about tithing. That's talking about giving, being a generous giver. But that's what the Bible talks about, tithing. And, and God says, listen, of all the promises he gives us in Scripture, he says, this is the one you can test me. There's promise after promise in the Bible, and, and this is the one that he says, test me in this and see what I want to do in your life. I will open up the floodgates of heaven. And pour out so much blessing on you, and I will protect you from the devourer, the destroyer. And that's what we looked at the second week. Well, last week we looked at the principle of first. And we saw the story of Cain and Abel, and how one brother brought an offering that God accepted, one brother brought an offering that God was displeased with. We saw that Abel brought fat portions from his firstborn. He gave the firstborn. And we saw the principle in Exodus 13, where God says, you bring the firstborn, you consecrate the firstborn to me, and the rest is redeemed. But if you don't, you lose it. 
And that's what Abel did. He brought the firstborn. See, it takes faith to bring the first when you don't know how many more are going to be born. Cain, he didn't. He brought some over a course of time. And it says that God was displeased. And God said, if you do what is right, it'll go well with you. See, crop comes in a little at a time. God says, bring the first to me. And Cain didn't do that. This is all over scripture. Even when the Israelites were going into the promised land, does anybody remember the very first city they came to? Okay, they had to circle around the city walls. Jericho. And do you remember the command that God gave Joshua and the Israelites? Take nothing from it. It's all devoted to me. And so it's the only city they went in that God did not allow them to have any of the plunder. It was all devoted to him because give the first to him. And there's a whole story about who? Achan. Who he took some of the devoted things and he took them for himself and he hid them under his tent. And God was so serious about this that they pulled the whole nation together. And tribe by tribe by clan by clan, they come to this man by the name of Achan who took what was devoted to the Lord, the first. And he was destroyed in all of his family. This is serious to God. You give the first to the Lord and the rest is redeemed. Okay? Take your Bible and open up to 2 Kings chapter 17. I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. I want you to see that this story is throughout Scripture. And maybe you just haven't ever seen it before. 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 8. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Now, underline that verse, if you have your Bible open. It says that God is telling Elijah, I have commanded a widow to feed you. Is that future tense or past tense? Past tense. Okay? It happened. He's already done it. I have commanded a widow to feed you. Now, you're going to see... That he's telling Elijah what he's commanded, but we're going to come to this widow, and you're, you're going to see she has not fully resolved this in her heart. Okay, because God's telling her to do something. Okay, verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now remember, the people were going through a three-year drought. Because... They were, they were not obeying God. They were walking in disobedience. And, and the pronouncement against them was that there would be a drought until the Lord said so. It had been three years. Elijah, of course, uh, is the one that pronounced this judgment. And so water is a commodity. And he says, bring me some water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, and I don't know what all is going on in her mind right here, but she, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son. Now if the Lord commanded her, what should have that said? I have prepared some for you and my son and me. But she says, I have prepared some for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And the reason why she's saying this is because she has seen her circumstances. They are bad. And all she has left is this little morsel of bread. 
and she is saying, I am going to prepare it for me and my son. We're going to eat it. Evidently, it's not going to be enough, and we're going to go die. She's still living based off her circumstances and not obeying what the Lord commanded her because he said to Elijah, I've already commanded her to feed you. And listen to what, G- what Elijah says to her because he knows her condition. Elijah said to her, do not fear because he knows that she's fearful for her life. Don't fear. But then look, he says, once I find it, do not fear, go and do as you said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and for your son. Okay? Elijah says, don't fear, go and make me something first. And then make something for you and your son. And look, he continues on to say, For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. What the promise is, is listen, you give me first what you got, and then trust me, I'll provide for you that you will have enough. It doesn't say how much, it says you will have enough for as long as there's no, as long as there's judgment upon the ground, on the earth. You're going to be provided for. And then it goes on to say, and she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. Now I want you to think about this. Is this a story about God providing for Elijah? Or is this a story about God providing for the widow? It's for the widow. Okay, God did not need this widow to provide for Elijah, which, by the way, God doesn't need anything to provide for us. Uh, look up in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 6. It says, And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook, and after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Okay? This is, you know, bedside service by a raven. Okay? God did not need the widow. He was using a raven to feed Elijah. All right? That was before. Well, maybe God's ways don't work, so he has to use the widow. No. Turn over to 1 Kings chapter 17, or 19, and look in verse uh, 5. And it says, And he laid down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones, and a jar of water, and he ate, and he drank, and he laid down again. This is the very first circumstance we have of angel food cake, right here. Okay, so it's healthy, it's in scripture, this is what we eat in heaven. All right? But God is feeding Elijah with an angel in chapter 19. He's feeding Elijah with ravens in the beginning of 17. God didn't need this widow to provide for Elijah. This story is a story of God providing for this widow who looked at her circumstances and she had nothing. She had so little that all she had enough for was for food, for her son and her to eat, and then to die. But God wanted to teach her that he was the provider, but she had to trust him first. And God provided, and guess what? He also protected. Because what happens to her son? 
he dies. And God knew that was going to happen too. And Elijah went in, and the Bible says that God used Elijah to raise her son from the dead, and they were protected. I mean, throughout Scripture, God shows and shares, I will provide and I will protect. But Philip, that, that only happens in the Bible, right? You're, you keep using the Bible. Sorry, okay? No, it doesn't happen only in the Bible. It happens all the time. So I said we're going to talk about this today. Uh, Ryan and Katie, would you guys come up here with me? This right here is Ryan and Katie Hunt. And uh, I've asked them to come up here and share their story with you guys. You should take one of these. I don't know if you might need to turn these down a little bit. Uh, But Ryan and Katie uh, came to know the Lord in 2009. Uh, they are a part of the Marisol community, and uh, they were, but they will be again one day. And uh, they were invited to church by Stephen and Kelly Cossey. Uh, several months later, uh, they came to know the Lord. And, but in the midst of all this going on, there were uh, many things that were looming in your life. Right? Could you share that, Ryan? Uh, yeah. Well, uh... It all started back in 2009, or 2008, I'm sorry. Uh, June of 2008, we had just finished building our house in Mirasol. Um, we had a uh, household income of about $160,000. Uh, we had our son who was healthy. Uh, life was looking great for us. Uh, everything was looking good. Um, we were just very optimistic about the future at that point and uh, getting settled into life. Um, A month later, in July of 2008, um, I was abruptly terminated from my job and not paid any back bonuses, any back pay, anything. Um, As I was, uh, as Pastor Phil says, getting over my pity party and and, uh, just wallowing in myself, uh, I was eating breakfast and received a knock on the door from the FBI. Um, They came in, questioned me. and that led to a two-year investigation um, and indictment with possible jail time. And Katie? So in addition to all of the things that were going on with Ryan, um, I was also pregnant with our second child, Natalia. And um, I, was, I was working during this time. And Ryan was able to start working again in December of 2008. Um, but beginning March 2009, the company I was working for started going through a large acquisition in which um, initially I was one of the only employees that actually retained her job. But while I was on maternity leave and coming back, my position was eliminated also. And so um, that sort of began the 11-month, my first 11-month experience in unemployment. Okay, so... Uh this is all prior and coming up to you, uh, giving your life to the Lord. Okay, so what, what happened next in this? Well, in March of 2009, we gave our lives to the Lord. Um, and uh, at that point, it was still just an investigation. Uh, we were just getting settled into our small group, our church friends, asking lots and lots of questions about giving and tithing. And we committed as a husband and wife to... Um, faithfully give and uh, and follow the word of the Lord. Do exactly what he said. 
Um, I remember lots and lots of late night phone calls to um, my friends asking about um, tithing, um, about credit card debt, our, our bills that we had. Um, is there any way that you know I can maybe cut back on ties and eliminate some debt, or you know make our budget balance? And um, it was always give to the Lord first, faithfully give. And every phone call ended the exact same way, and we continue to faithfully give. Um, in January of 2010, our worst fears came, and I was indicted by the federal government. Um, and a year later, I was. Um, sentenced to a year and a day in prison. Um, as a man, a husband, a father, uh, my biggest fear was always, um, you know, will my kids have to endure foreclosure? Will my kids and my wife have to endure, um, you know, bankruptcy? Will they be kicked out on the streets? What, what will happen to them? How will they be provided for? Um, again, many more late night phone calls were, um, you need to make sure that you continually give to the Lord your first fruits. Okay, so when Ryan was sentenced, we both went into, I guess, hyper mode, if you want to call it that, um, meeting with our small group and financial planners and, and so forth. And, um, you know, for me, I was just preparing for the very bumpy road ahead. And during one of these conversations, giving was brought up again. And it was impressed upon us that now more than ever is when we really should step it up and be giving. And while this concept seemed really odd to me, I mean, we were giving before, um, but to put it on that level, you know, it seemed odd to me, but it all comes back to when I gave my life to the Lord a couple years before that, it was um, the point of, you know, making the decision to believe all of the Bible and not just the parts that made sense to me at the time. Um, and so, you know, it, we committed and I committed that, you know, aside from the circumstances that we were going to continue to give. Um, I also had a job at that point. <laughs> and, um, you know, the Lord, Lord knows everything in advance, obviously. And so um, during this time, Ryan was already gone and um, months passed, and then July of 2011, I lost my job. And so now, here we are. Um, Ryan mentioned we started out with a family income of about $160,000 combined, and um, went from that to about $320 of an unemployment check that I got every single week. And um, it was tough. And that was definitely one of the, you know, big crossroads for all of us. And for me was, what am I going to do now? You know, what do I believe in? You know, what am I going to do? And for those of you wondering, I decided to be obedient and I tithed my unemployment check. Um, and so, you know, it was definitely hard, but we just chose that route. Okay, so now what's going on here? And just to pull this back into my talks that I've been doing. All right, last week we looked at the heart of Cain and the heart of Abel, okay? The heart of Cain is, well, my circumstances are we have no jobs, uh, we have a mortgage payment, we have credit card bills, uh, we no longer have any kind of income, this is not the time to tithe, okay? And of course you've been learning about this, 
But what you're saying is, instead of going by circumstances, you went by faith. And which, by the way, we even had a conversation going, if there was any time to do this, you want God's provision and protection, you, this is the time to start. See, it's the opposite of what we think is, well, when I get enough, then I'll start. No, it's, it's wherever you're at, no matter the circumstance, you start. Okay, so how did the Lord provide? The Lord provided just what we needed. You know, the Lord doesn't come out and say, okay, Ryan, while you're gone, I'm going to provide for your family $599 a week, and we're going to take care of these bills, and it's not specific. He, he takes care of your needs. Um, at this time, while I was gone, you know, I was extremely limited to my communication with my family. Um, I had 300 minutes a month that I could speak on the phone. Uh, I could write a letter, which took three, four, five days to get to her. Um, and again, every phone conversation was, we continued to give. Every time we had a conversation or wrote a letter of here's what's going on with our finances, it was continue to give, continue to give. And, you know, again, I was in Tennessee for 10 months. Um, I was literally just um, sitting on the sidelines watching all these things happen to her and my family. And it was a testament to continuing to give because the math would, was never right. I, she made $300 a week. I had a $2,200 mortgage payment, car payments, credit card payments, um, utilities, food on the table. These are all things that I stressed out about. I had sleepless nights, many, many phone conversations about how does this all work. And, um, you know, again, the Lord continued to provide. So 2011, the Lord just took care of us in so many countless ways. And, you know, we focused so much on the monetary portion of it, but, um, you know, one of the greatest blessings through all of this is that the Lord, first of all, preserved our marriage. Um, you know, this is a time that Ryan and I were apart, and there was a, you know, could have been a lot of stuff that went on, and none of it went on. And so, you know, um, the protection over our marriage is, you know, extremely important to mention. Also, the protection over our kids. You know, Kyle and Natalia, our kids are young, but they're, you know, Kyle especially was old enough to understand that things were not the same how they were before. And, and so the Lord protected Kyle and Natalia. And even today, I mean, you know, they, there is no lasting effects from, you know, from over this year. Financially is a whole nother story. And I, I just, I smile every time that I talk about it because I can't explain it. Um, so when Ryan finally was able to come home this past December, so almost a year ago, um, there was more money in our checking account than when he left, and I can't explain it. Um, our car was paid off. All the legal bills were paid. Um, and at that point, we had not been late on a single bill, including our mortgage and everything. And how that happened with $320 of unemployment, I have no idea. Um, but the Lord provided for us and um, was faithful, you know, through all of that. So what would you say, and I know we've had a conversation about this, what would you say the, the lesson is that the Lord has taught you in this area of giving? And, and it, anybody that would struggle with is going, I know, but my situation, what would you say to them about that? It is to give faithfully and be joyous in it. Um, you know, I've been, I've been blessed enough to, 
see it firsthand and experience it. Um, I was on a work trip uh, with a coworker of mine who grew up Catholic and uh, loves the Lord, and we had lots and lots of talks. And one of the, the talks as we were driving was, um, you know, well, Ryan, how much do you give to, to the church? And I said, I give 10%, you know, without batting an eye. And he said, man, I just, I give $25 a week. You know, he just, um, he, was, he was astonished. I, he had known about my situation and I was gone. And, um, you know, again, it was, how do, how do you make that work? I mean, you were gone for, for so long. And I told him, you know, the Lord will provide. And, you know, we are, we are blessed. Um, we are blessed. I guess for me, you know, the biggest lesson or the thing that I would say about giving is that you know, the Bible teaches us to be a joyful giver. And for me, the joy came from the obedience of giving. And, and I say that because, you know, every time I was preparing to hit the send button on the bill pay, you know, I wasn't exactly excited. Um, and, you know, there, you know, every single time I did this, you know, I just, I, I mean, I can, I can, confess that, you know, I, my heart wasn't always there. I didn't really know what was going to happen. However, it was through my obedience that the Lord taught me to be a joyful giver. And so that, um, you know, for anybody struggling with that and, you know, oh, my heart, you know, I'm supposed to be so joyful in this. Well, um, you know, for whatever it's worth, the joy for me came only after I was obedient in the first place. I want you to see that this is just all over scripture. And I could have given you a whole list, but I'm just going to just give you some. Okay, L listen to this. Acts 20, verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and, when, when, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Luke 6.38, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Proverbs 3, 9. We looked at this last week. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all a grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. He has righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. See, it produces a thankful heart. And this is a verse that I remember memorizing. My parents made me, had me memorize this when I was just a kid. It's Philippians 4.19. It says, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. This promise is all over scripture. I mean, some of the theological foundations that we hold to our faith are wrapped up in four or five passages. And we're talking about verse after verse, passage after passage. I, I, I first put my list on here and I was like, ah, that'll take 20 minutes. So I just wiped out all kinds of verses of God's promise in this area. Why in the world when we hear these promises is it such a struggle? And I believe the reason why it's a struggle is because it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, 11 says, Our wrestle is not against blood, flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities of darkness. Now, there are evil forces. And uh, this is an area that I believe is a spiritual battle. In fact, look at this in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, we, we've all heard this, right? Okay, now, how many of you guys, see, a lot of us, we grew up with NIV. How many of you guys remember what it says in the King James Version? Do you know what it says? It says mammon. In fact, look at this. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In fact, and I don't have this up there, but Luke uh, chapter 9 actually is where uh, Jesus talks more about this, and he mentions the word mammon three more times. And mammon isn't money. In fact, you've heard people say, well, you know that, the, uh, that money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. It says that the what? The love of money is the root of all evil. And here, Jesus is saying is, you cannot serve mammon and God. And mammon, it's an interesting word, and there's a lot of like speculation around it, but mammon is a word that literally means riches. And it's an Aramaic word that many say that there was actually a Syrian god named mammon out of Babylon. Babylon comes from Babel, the Tower of Babel, and Babel was this city there was an independent city. There's this spirit amongst them that they wanted to what? On their own, make a, a tower that would reach the heavens. And God said, no, you're not going to do that. It, it's this arrogant spirit of independence that I'm going to do it how I want to do it. In fact, even this mammon, this word mammon, when uh, John Milton wrote his book, Paradise Lost, the, the, uh, the fallen angel 
named Mammon was the, 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 the spirit over greed and gluttony and earthly riches. Uh, Peter Lombard, he, he is quoted as saying, he was a 12th century theologian, he said, riches are called by the name of a devil named Mammon. For Mammon is the name of a devil by which name riches are called according to the Syrian tongue. And during the Middle Ages, Mammon was commonly personified as the demon of gluttony, richness, and injustice. Now, I don't know if anything that, that's true. In fact, you can just go home and Google the word Mammon, and you'll find all kinds of stuff. All kinds of writings, all kinds of paintings of people worshiping this god named Mammon. But listen to me, this is a spiritual battle. And if you don't think, just like there's a spirit of lust, a spirit of all these things, there's this spirit of mammon that talks to you and says, listen, if you just had more of this, you'd be happy. If you just had more mammon or more, or more riches, you'd be secure. If you just had more mammon, you would be significant. People would listen to you. I, th- here's one. If I even had more mammon, I could help more people. And listen. Money doesn't help people. And what I mean by that is, yes, it's a resource, but no one ever came to Jesus and said, oh, son of God, have mercy on me. And Jesus turned and said, oh, all you need is a little more money. That's not whatever the answer was. And I want you to think about this, and I'm confessing for me. I can tell you there have been times in my life where I've had this prayer, I've had this thought. God, I really need for you to provide in this area. Or I need someone to give me some money. And then, I'll, and then I won't need that. I won't need God's provision because someone will give me money. They'll take care of it. Listen, mammon can never do what God alone can do. And he even says, you can't serve both. Listen, what's going to happen is you're going to be loyal to one and hate the other. And a lot of us, we've grown up our whole life serving. We don't realize this. Serving mammon. That's what's my provider. That's what my security is. That's where happiness is. That's what's going to take care of me. And God says, you can't have them both. And this is actually, this is coming out of, remember the young rich ruler that comes to Jesus? It's the only time Jesus says this to someone, and he's wanting to know how to have salvation. Jesus says, you got to go sell everything. Because he knew that this man's God was mammon. Um... Mark, could you come up here for, for a second? Um, you know, th- this, this is a spiritual battle, and I know that you and I have talked about this before. Um, Mark has been a, a believer for 10 years now, and, uh, and, so, and, and he is a, a joyful giver. And, and could you just share, is that thing on? And could you just share with everybody just what the Lord has done in your heart in this area of giving and as far as what the Lord has been teaching you over the last several weeks as far as just this being a spiritual battle? Yes, I will. Thank you. Am I on? Yeah. Good morning, church family and guests. Um, so, so what have I been learning, Philip? You know, some of the things that we've talked about. We've been learning about this spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. And I want... What the Lord has put on my heart to share this morning is really in two areas. First, first, just as a man in Christ, growing in Christ, as Philip said, um, I just celebrated on the 16th of October a decade in Christ. Praise God. I can't believe it. Um, praise God. Praise God. And 
on a, on, a, on a personal level, just in terms of this battle and individually as a man in Christ, trying to learn obedience in this area and grow, for from 2002 until 2006, in that walk in my life, which some of you are familiar with because we're close or I've shared my testimony, you know, I experienced by the world's terms um, financial success. The Lord provided for us. He provided for us when I was lost, and he provided for us after I was found. And we heard the teaching about tithing and about the idea of a generous life. And so we adopted that discipline, and there was a lot of gratefulness in our heart. We were young believers. We were taught and shepherded in God's word and we obeyed and we began to tithe and we began to give and it was a blessing in our life for myself and for Kim. In 2006, the Lord called me away from the work that I was doing into another season of life, which many of you are familiar with. And that call was to live a different life, but it also was to really challenge us in where our provision was. For a year or so from the time that I left, um, we had been blessed, but we did not have any income. We had five children. Uh, we didn't know when I left that we were going to end up, the Lord would bless us with a sixth child. And it was a period, I can tell you, just personally, like you, on a daily basis, I just felt that battle. I felt the battle to hold on to what we had. But the Lord called us to trust him, both financially, which we continued to give out of our savings when we had no income, until the time when the Lord began to bless me with another season of work. I think Kim and I at that time, we also began, because we felt this call in our life, we began to serve here in the body in a different type of way felt very much that the Lord was calling us to do that and to trust. The Lord taught us, taught us a great deal in that season about his provision, his provision, which is mighty. But I know this battle personally. So what is the word that the Lord has put on my heart to share today? Five weeks ago, Kim and I had the blessing of going with Philip and Shelly and with Greg Schuster, Greg Schuster and his wife Leah, who many of you know, who also serves as an elder. And we went to a ministry conference in Dallas. And there was a teaching that I heard that day that the Spirit just sat down on me in a mighty way. Now, Philip's already talked about it, but if you can look in your Bibles, just turn quickly to Ephesians 6, chapter, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 the armor of God. And just read along with me. This is the verse that all of us know. We quote it. We're fond of quoting it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Think about what it means to take a stand against something and to deal with someone's, in this case, the devil's schemes, tricks. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he goes on to talk about the tools that he has given us, our weapons of war that are uniquely designed to battle these spiritual forces. But the question is, do we believe that? Do we believe we're in a spiritual battle? Well, five weeks ago, turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. Verse 10. A hand touched me. This is Daniel. And set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you. Consider carefully, people, the words I'm about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Who is the prince of the Persian kingdom? It's the enemy. And the angel says, for 21 days, I have battled him since hearing your words that you brought to me in humility. But I've been in a battle for you to come to where you are. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. The word that the Lord put on my heart five weeks ago. I shared with Philip, I shared with Greg. And then it was on Philip's heart to teach this series, which today is the culmination of. It's been great teaching. It's been real truth. But we are in a battle. And the thing that the Lord said to me is, Mark, the battle that you were in at West County is you are battling a spirit. A spirit of greed, a spirit of fear, a spirit of pride, and a spirit of mistrust. I wanted to come to you today to tell you that the Lord has put it on my heart. This is not teaching about giving financially. It is teaching about the victory that Christ wants in all of our lives. And the battle that we are in that would enslave us in chains, in bondage. We need to see that for what it is. And we need to claim the victory that the Lord intends for us. He would do anything to come to us when we humble ourselves and we ask for a breakthrough. Can I play, pray for our people, please? Father, maybe today, is the first day 
that we have set our minds to have a breakthrough, to seek understanding and righteousness, and to be made free as a people of God here in this place called West County. Lord, you've shown me you have so much that you desire for us here to experience. And we have so many people here that are hurting, that are in bondage, that you want to free. You want us to have generous lives, Lord. And Spirit, this is easy for you. People, just tell him right now, whatever you have in your heart, whatever you know has enslaved you, that is hard for you in the spiritual battle. It is easy for the Spirit. It's so easy, Lord. Father, I just call down victory on this place. I ask for our people to be set free, to experience another season of you in reaching lives for Christ and ministering in this place in a sweet way, not in our own strength, not with how you bless us financially, Father, but in the power of your Spirit. This is a daily battle. Help us to see it clearer than we ever have. Let us humble our hearts and let us ask for victory, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of your Spirit. Amen. 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 So he... This is a spiritual battle. Well, if this is a spirit, how do you break that spirit? And, and of course, it's praying for the Lord's victory in this area, but here's the scriptural answer. Matthew 6, 33, we all memorized it growing up. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, it's first. There, there's always the first in there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what? And then all these things will be given to you or added upon you. Uh, one, one last verse I want you to see. Luke chapter 16. Can you throw that up there? It's the last slide on the PowerPoint. Maybe it's not. Here, look at, let me just read this to you. Luke 16 verse 11 says this. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust to the true riches? See, what he's saying is this, is listen, this is Jesus saying, is if you can't be trusted with this unrighteous mammon, this situation with this mammon thing, why am I going to trust you with the truest riches? Anyone know what the truest riches are? People. Because people are eternal. And that's not going to fade away. And it's like he's saying is, why, why would I trust you? And, and that's my prayer in my life and now for our church, is that we would be found faithful with this with these riches that are earthly, that are going to fade away, that we don't serve those, that we're loyal to the Lord and not to them. Because then he's able to trust us with the truest riches, and those are people. I, I hope that you've been blessed in this series. My, my prayer is this has not been an agenda, but for us to understand the victory God wants us to have in this area of being people that are givers. And the way we're going to end this is we're going to watch one more video and we're going to sing a couple more songs. But uh, we have one more video, and it's of Joe and Babs Brooks. And uh, when Joe and Babs filmed this, it was right after Joe learned that he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so their hearts are 
very full in this video. And, uh, but you're going to hear that no matter what you go through, God is faithful, whatever season it is, and he will provide and he will protect. And so, uh, and then after that, we're going we're gonna to respond in the singing, God, I look to you. And my prayer is this just be an, an area that we surrender. Do we really trust God? Are we going to be people that are led by our circumstances or by faith? We said we we're a dynamic community of faith, right? So watch this. Hi, we're Joe and Babs Brooks. We've been together for almost 47 years, and um, we started together when we were in elementary school. We always kid that we were, it was a planned marriage because our mothers were PTA mothers together, but we um, started dating when I was a sophomore and he was a junior in high school. And we have grown up together, and um, we have grown closer to the Lord together, and we're very thankful you want to tell them? <laughs> we uh, grew up in Christian homes. Both of our parents uh, were Christians and very devoted and, and did the things that normal uh, Christians did in that time. You know, they were um, attended Bible study and the, and the services, and then they also practiced tithing. And that was one thing that, uh, from the very earliest remembrance, for me at least, uh, that I understood was just a part of, of being a, a Christian was that you tithe and and my parents taught me at a very young age that whenever I got a dollar ten cents of that first of all went to the Lord and Babs grew up in a similar background so when we got married tithing was not an issue for us we'd done it all of our life already and so it just translated very smoothly into our married life and uh, that's just an example I think that for parents uh, if you want your children to be blessed in the area of giving, teach them to tithe at a young age and uh, teach them that it is important, that it is a, an act of worship unto the Lord. And also, you can't teach it if, unless you do it. And so it's a big challenge to parents as well to be a model before their children. And that helps them get, get over the obstacle of ever having to, to give up that 10% at a later age when they think that it's impossible to do if they've already uh, learned that and it's become a, start, a part of their life. One of the instances that we, we know that the Lord had His hand in it, we were, we were out of graduate school and we were starting an, uh, a new life in Ohio and um, we had an old car that was really needed to be replaced and we needed to buy a new car. But we, our church was starting a new um, building program and we couldn't buy a car and support the building program like we would have wanted to so we decided we prayed about it and we said Lord just keep this car running and um, so we we started with the pledge that we had given to um, for the new building and we were giving along and along and it was three years and this car lasted the whole three years the, after the three years was up, we went to, um, we had finished the program, we had committed all of our money, and the car died. But we were so into giving the money for the, for the, 
for the um, church building that it was not a problem to, to buy the car because we had already set aside that money all along to, um, to the church and, and to God's work. And it was just, we could, it, the car died and we were able to buy a new one. And so it was just the Lord providing the car, keeping it going, and then we had a brand new car. And it was, the payments were just about exactly yeah. what the pledge had been monthly to the church program, the building program. Mm -hmm. So that's an example where the Lord really proved himself strong in our behalf because we acted in faith to, um, mm -hmm. to just step out on that and trust him for provision. Here we are many years later and uh, the Lord has been faithful through all those years and time after time when we've given to the church or given to other causes that we just felt the, the need, the desire to give to. Uh, he's always never failed to bless us. And, um, you know, through the building of this church, from the very beginning of the church itself as a body, and then the building of buildings to be used by the Lord, you know, we've always been a part of that and rejoiced in what He's done many, many times meeting the, the needs for um, money at particular times for, by the church and by individuals. And uh, we've been blessed to be able to, to step up to that. You know, recently as, as we see our age advancing, we begin to, to see that there will be different challenges for this phase of life. Uh, where, as we know and have seen that the Lord can be trusted with our money, uh, there are challenges that go beyond that to issues of health. Uh, Babs's condition with her rheumatoid arthritis and knee replacements. Uh, my recent diagnosis, diagnosis with Parkinson's and uh, you know the, the uncertainties that comes with those kinds of things when you need to trust the Lord even more, uh, not just for finances but for healing, for uh, provision during uh, times that are tough medically. And uh, we know that the same kind of confidence that He's given us in the issues of, of money throughout the years it's the kind of things we can trust Him with our health, with our well-being, with uh, you know even what happens if one of us uh, dies and the provision for the other one. We know that the Lord is faithful in all of that. And so we just trust Him and we know that uh, what we've learned through the years in terms of stewardship of, of our resources to Him is the same thing, same issues that we can trust to Him in our, in our issues of health. And so we, we just praise Him and thank Him in all conditions of life and know that He is our provider, He's our sustainer, He's our God, and that's because He loves us so much.
me this to see things like you do I look to you hear where my help comes from give me wisdom you know just what to do
Jesus in light to those in the darkness and death to To the restless and joy, to homes that are broken, I see you now. Oh, in you, I know. When you open the door for me, when you lay down your life to set me free, oh. battle do you really believe that he will open the door for you do you really believe it see the spirit of mammon says no you got to trust in what you got in your hands and the lord can't work with that so let's pray so lord we look to you 
You're where our help comes from. You're the maker of heaven and earth. And all blessings come from you. And if we can trust you with our salvation and our eternity, we can trust you with the things that you give us here on this earth. I pray for every family and I pray for every person that we would not live in fear. For, your, for you do not give a spirit of fear, you give a spirit of power and of love and a strong mind. I pray this. Mark, pray that you'd break every chain, every stronghold in this area. And that we would be people of faith. We love you. You are the God who reigns. You're the God who's in control. And we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated for just a second because, uh, well, you heard it from Pops. Trust and obey the Lord. Thank you for being here. All announcements are in your bulletin. And uh, let's be givers. Amen. You may be dismissed.